kids in here, you can just make your way up to goo. <laughs> Apparently we forgot about that. <laughs> oh, you can all take your seats, say hello to someone on the way down. As Paul says, we love to have new people in Icon Church. It's such a pleasure to have you with us if you're here for the very first time. And um, if you were here for Imagine Conference, hands up who was here for Imagine Conference. Well, how amazing was it this year? So good, so, so good. But I'm really excited to finish off conference for you tonight. And um, I believe God's got an amazing word tonight for us all. And um, so I want to talk about an experience that I feel we can all relate to. If you're sat here tonight, I can pretty much guarantee that every person in the room will have gone through this at some point in their life, whether it was with family, whether it was at university, maybe when it was when you got married. And it's this, a house share. Almost every one of us out there has gone through a house share at some point in our lives. You know, for many of us, our first experience of a house share is with family. And um, in fact, you might be sat here tonight and um, you might be still living with your parents and you're thinking, I cannot wait to move out. No more sharing a bathroom, no more sharing a remote, which let's face it, is probably one of the hardest things to share when you're growing up with a brother or sister. And no more parents to interrogate me about my every move. And um, you know, one of the, the things I was most excited about when I was moving out was no longer being interrogated by my parents. I mean, I love my family, my family great, and I know that they care for me a lot, but my mum can talk a lot. You think I can talk a lot? Wait till you have an Irish mother. Like. But um, I remember when I moved out, and you know, it was strange not seeing my family every day. And um, you know, one of the major things that you miss when you move out is uh, the food. Let's face it, when you become a student, you can no longer afford the same things that your parents can and uh, your meals go slightly downhill. Um, but, you know, I didn't miss one thing, and that was this, the competition. Because, um, you know, as kids, me and my sister, when we were growing up, we were very competitive. I used this word, we, when in fact it was probably more me. I'm a, I'm a terribly competitive person. And so I wanted to have the best of everything. And I remember this one time where um, me and my sister's birthdays, they're very close together. And so people had learned that, you know, we were both quite competitive, that we, we got jealous a little bit of each other's gifts. So they thought they'd eliminate that. And um, they got us both the same present. So you'd think, you'd probably be sat there thinking, well, there's nothing to be competitive about there. There's nothing to get jealous about there. But my sister got a green pencil case and I got a yellow one. And I could not believe that she'd got a green pencil case. I thought that looked miles better than my yellow one. So um, after we'd had our birthdays, I spent the rest of the day, after we'd both opened our presents, trying to convince my sister to swap pencil cases with me, purely so that I had the better pencil case out of the both of us. But you know, that, that wasn't the first instance of our competitiveness by any means. Most of our holidays, we go away and we might go somewhere familiar. You know, when you're growing up, you go to your grandma and granddad's house. A lot of our holidays were in a tent. And um, when you go to, um, you know, when you go in similar environments, you have your setup. You know whose room is whose. My grandma, there was no messing with my grandma. She'd given us each a bed and that was the one we were going to sleep in. The same with that tent. My mum and dad had separated us out. We each had our own little air bed and uh, that was where we were going to sleep. 
But when we actually went to an unfamiliar environment, maybe when we got lucky and we went to stay in an apartment in a hot country, it's always nice, isn't it? Then it was, it was an environment with no rules. There had been no decisions pre-made on which bedroom was which, whose bed was whose. And so as soon as that door opened, me and my sister would be running. We'd be running around the house, we'd be looking in every single room that there was because we'd be trying to find the best bed. Maybe it was the bed with the view of the TV. Maybe it was the bed that was the biggest. But we'd find it, and we'd run around the house as fast as we can, and then as soon as we found the best room, we would run into the room, jump on the bed, and I'd go, shotgun, my bed, and that was it. Decision had been made. Shotgun, my bed. But you know, a couple of years later, I found myself in a similar situation. House share situation. But this time, it wasn't with my sister, it was actually with one of my best friends. It was with April. You may know April, she leads our creative team here. And um, I was one of the lucky people who got to share a house with her. Nathan, I uh, feel your pain. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'd gotten a job working in Sheffield, and um, it just so happened that at the very same time, one of her housemates was leaving for the year, was doing a year abroad, and so there was a place in her house. So um, I decided that I was going to move in there. And I remember the very first day that I moved in, and I walked into the house, no rush, nothing about it, just very calmly, took all my stuff upstairs, no running to get on the best bed, no running to make sure that I had the biggest room. It was totally chilled. And um, I went and put all my stuff in my room, and that was it. There was no chaos, no running. It was just completely chilled. Why? Because there was a place prepared for me. And you know, many of us have moments where we feel like we've got to run for the best. Maybe it's the best bed. Maybe it's the best job. Maybe it's the best grades. We can feel like we're in competition with those around us. To be the best parent, to be the best boss, to be the best student. We compare our progress with the people around us. And we feel like success is only achieved if we're the first one to get there, if we're top of the pack, if we're the best. We can do this in any area of our lives. Maybe for some of us it is with our careers. Maybe for others it's family life. Maybe it's your car, your house. But you know, we can even do this with our faith. We can hear someone else pray. We can see someone else come through a tough situation and thought, how on earth did they do that? Would I be able to do that? Would I be able to get through something like that? We can serve in a team and feel like we're never quite as good as anyone else. Feel like people are always praising the person next to us and never us. But you see, when there was no bedroom prepared for me, I was frantic, I was competitive, I was caught up in comparison. But when I knew there was a place prepared for me, I didn't need to outrun anyone else. It didn't matter how fast I got there. It didn't matter if someone else got there before me. It didn't matter if they were ahead of me on the journey because I had a spot prepared just for me. I had a spot with my name on it. And I think so many of us are running for something that is in fact already ours. We're competing for something that no one else was ever in the running for. We're comparing ourselves with people who were never the benchmark for who we should be. And so that's why tonight my message title is this, how to survive 
a house share. You might be wondering, why on earth is she talking about a house share? What has that got to do with the Bible? But let's turn to John 14, 1 to 4, and hopefully all will be revealed. You there, John 14? You can see all the phones out, so I'm hoping that's what it is and not, not Instagram up on your phone. But John 14, verse 1 to 4 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus speaking. You believe in God. Believe in me also. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, how would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also will be where I am. You know the way to the place that I am going. I believe that house share is kingdom design. That actually it's God's idea that this whole idea of sharing a house under one roof, many rooms under one roof is God's idea. And you know, we can read into this verse and think it's just talking about heaven. But actually when we read through the rest of the Bible, we see that God's design for the church has a similar theme. That it's one body with many parts, one flock, one flock with many sheep, one temple with many bricks. And why is that? You know, what does that tell us? It tells us that we were designed to live in proximity. We were designed to live in community, in relationship with one another, not in isolation. But you know, proximity can breed comparison. I lived in a house with four students whilst I was working full-time, and I can completely say, hands down to you, don't ever do anything like that. Don't put yourself through living in a student house if you're not a student, it's not nice. (laughs) Because every morning, my alarm would be set for six o'clock, I'd wake up, and it'd be silent. Couldn't hear a thing. I'd go and have a shower, get out of the shower, silence. I'd then go to leave the house, lock the door, silence. And every morning, I was comparing my morning to the four of the students that I lived in a house with. They were all getting a lie-in, it felt like every day. If you've been a student in this place, you'll be able to relate to this next one. When you're a student, you share one fridge. (laughs) And um, so I'd go in and we had a shelf each, and I'd look at what I had for the rest of my day, which was, you know, stuff from Aldi, which Aldi's great, but they all managed to afford Sainsbury's. Um, and I'd look at all the exotic meals they were, they were cooking, and then I'd look at what I, I was cooking. But you know, proximity can breed comparison, because it's only when we share our lives with people, when we're really up close with other people, that we see what's different about our lives to other people. And it gives us something that we can compare. You know, if I wasn't sharing a fridge with other people, I probably wouldn't have even considered what my meals look like to anyone else's. If I wasn't sharing a house with other people, I probably wouldn't have compared what my get-up was like to other people. Because proximity can breed comparison. We can convince ourselves that the grass is always greener. You know, they have it easier. They're better at this, they're better at that, they're better at making decisions. And this can be a challenge we face when we're living as the church because we share our lives together. We do life intimately. We see how other people do do things. We see how they live their life and it can be so inspirational for us. But it can also be something that breeds comparison. We can understand why God would use them for something good 
but not imagine why God would use us for something significant. We can feel like God, you know, maybe he's forgotten about us. We need to be better. We need to be more like the people that we see, the more, pe- more like the people that inspire us to get into God's good books. We can keep running to get a place in God's house and in God's heart. But I want to encourage you tonight that God has prepared a place for you. He's got a room with your name on it. God's prepared a space for you. You know what? He's expecting you. He knows that you'll get to the finish line. He knows you'll overcome the battles ahead of you. He's prepared for your arrival. It might feel like a difficult journey for you. You might feel like you've turned back so many times, but he's prepared for your arrival. He's not giving up on you. You don't need to be running around frantically, but tonight my encouragement for you is that you can take peace because there's a room prepared for you. It won't get given to someone else if you screw up. It's got your name on it. I love how in this verse, you know, it talks about many rooms. And I don't know whether you've ever had to share a room with someone, but I've always read this verse and thought, I wonder why Jesus says many rooms. You know, because he could say that there's many beds. He could say that there's much floor space. But he says many rooms. And I think that's so interesting, that God has got many rooms for us, that he's not trying to fit us all into one space. He's not trying to fit us all into one room because, you know, there's such a misconception about Christianity so many times that Christianity is beige. That we're all supposed to be carbon copies of each other. We're all supposed to look the same. We're all supposed to do the same. But that's not the case. If we were all meant to fit in one mold, one shape, one room, there wouldn't be many rooms, would there? But there's actually, we're actually meant to have our quirks, meant to have our shape, meant to have our differences. In Romans 12 verse 4 to 8, it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace that is given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. To lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You know, there's a reason that there's a list of different gifts there because we're meant to be different people. We're meant to be shaped in different ways, do different things. We're all unique models. And you may think that difference was something that could make you feel humiliated. But believe me, God created them in you to be celebrated. When I was in primary school, as you do in primary school, you were um, putting a lot of school plays. Any primary school teachers out there, I feel like you do a play at the end of every term. (laughs) But I remember being in a school play and it was all about the Vikings. And I can't believe I still remember this, but it was all about the Vikings. And we... um, we were given our parts for the play and the teacher didn't do much, um, you, well, you, you didn't put yourself forward, the teacher gave you your part. And so the teacher came to me and um, she gave me quite a big role. Now, I'm definitely not an actress at all. I do whatever I can to get as far away as I can from acting because it's definitely not my forte and I can't even do accents, let alone acting. So um, I got given this part and... 
I can still remember the name of the, the part. I think the lady was called Boodyquake. Does that ring a bell to anyone in primary school? Gab's nodding, so he obviously knows something about the Vikings. <laughs> but I remember being given that part, and the thing about this character was that she stood out. So she had bright ginger hair. I feel like gingers have been getting a bit over conference, but believe me, I'd, I'd prepared this story in advance. This isn't anything personal. She had bright ginger hair and she was dressed differently to the, whole, the, the rest of the people who were in the play. And she was feisty. She was someone who was bold. And that was the last thing I felt like I could be. And this was a scary teacher that had given me this part. So naturally, I didn't tell her that I wanted to do it. I just went and swapped roles behind her back with someone else. <laughs> and so I remember her coming up to me and she said, you know, Siobhan, I'm really disappointed that you didn't take this role, that you didn't go for this part. Because I saw potential in you and so I gave you an opportunity. I hadn't wanted to be different because I thought that it would humiliate me. I thought that I'd stick out like a sore thumb, that I'd, I'd just, I'd look completely different for anyone else. I thought it was going to be a humiliating experience. But what I thought was to humiliate, she was using to celebrate. What I thought was going to make me stick out, she was asking me to do to make me stand out. Because she saw some gold in me, she saw some potential in me. And you know, every one of us will have some part of our life that looks different to the way other people do it. Maybe it's the way that we go about doing our job, the way that we lead our family, the way that we um, you know, go about our daily routine that looks slightly different to how other people do their lives. And I guarantee that every one of us will have a moment where we go, am I doing this right? Because nobody else seems to be doing this. Everyone else seems to be doing it completely differently. Am I doing it right? Have I got the right personality? Have I got the right character to be who you're calling me to be? Because I can't see anyone else who looks like me. You might want to change the things that are in your life that actually God has put there to celebrate. You've thought it was to humiliate. You've thought that those things that you've been taking the mick out of, that people have made fun of, which humiliate, but actually God wants to celebrate those things. God wants to bring those out. He wants to use your unique upbringing to shape the people that you reach. He wants to use your unique personality. He wants to use it to equip you to do the things that God has set out for you. Your unique experiences have prepared you for the place that God has for you. You might not want to stick out, but I believe that God has called us all to stand out in some area of our lives. And you know, when we realise that God has prepared a place for us, that our room is designed to look like no one else's, it causes us to live it boldly. But not just that, it calls us to live content, to live at peace, feeling like we don't have to chase after anyone else, but we can be content with what God's put in our lives. So how do we allow God's promises to change our everyday? How do we allow what we've heard today to change our tomorrow? Well, the one thing that I want you to go away with tonight, the one tip that I have of how to survive a house share is this, be unified yet unique. Be unified, yet unique. I mentioned that there were four, four others in the house share that I was in, and um, 
Something about our house was that it was quite a small terraced house and um, so you went around the back of the house to get in. So that meant that you went through the kitchen first and there was a little kitchen area and then a dining area and that was all the shared space that we had. But the thing about coming through the kitchen area was that the very first thing you saw when you came into our house was the kitchen surface. And um, if any of you know April well, you'll know that she's a very clean person, which is actually a great thing to have in a housemate. But she's super, super clean. And I wouldn't say that I'm a dirty person. You know, I, I, I'm okay with leaving a saucepan out overnight and coming to it the next day. But after a couple of days of it being on the side, I can't take that and I do have to wash up. But we lived with a girl who definitely did not have that conviction. Cleanliness was not on her agenda and I feel like she probably could have lived with the side covered in plates for the whole year and it would have been totally fine for her. She was one of those people who only cleaned a pot when she needed it. So you can imagine what the stack was like on the, on the side. And then um, I'd come back and I'd see April sometimes cleaning up her pots and we'd all kind of chip in every now and then when the pots were building up we knew they were hers but we'd all chip in and and clear up her pots because you know we all lived in the house and what she did affected all of us we had to be unified if we were going to share a house we had to help each other out we had to all muck in together to make make the house a good environment And you know, we have to all be united if we're going to thrive in God's house. We have to all be united if we're going to thrive in God's house. We need to help people along the journey. We need to forgive those who share the house with us. We need to carry people sometimes. We need to be the ones that will lift them up, that will carry them through seasons that they can't get through themselves. You know, maybe they've got a load of dirty pots on the side, things that are winding you up the wall. Help them with it. Help them along the way, be unified, help them to fulfill their journey. In Galatians 6 verse 2, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, be unified, carry one another, walk with one another. You know, when you realise that you're not against someone, you can be for them. When you realise you're not competing with the person next to you, you're not competing with the one that you share a house with. You can help them, you can stand by them, you can pray with them, you can support them, you can encourage them because their journey isn't going to affect your journey. Their success isn't going to make you a failure. Their success isn't going to take you longer to get over the finish line. When you realise that you don't have to get ahead of others, to look good before God, you can get around others. You can lift them higher. Unified yet unique. You know, the next part of that verse that I was reading in Galatians 6, verse 2, 3 to 5 then says, If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Why does it tell us to test our own actions? Because what God has called you to do is going to be different to what he's called someone else to do. The core is the same, but the delivery is different because we're all called to be unique. We're all called to be different and to do things differently. 
I love our five values. Generous, creative, positive, empowering, and passionate. And you know, that's who we're called to be as a people. That's who we're called to be as a church. And I know you're not supposed to have favourites in church, but two of my favourites are Tom and Rosie, because they share my passion for great design. And uh, they're pretty awesome. And they do a lot of the graphics that you see. I know they both work really hard over Imagine Conference to um, get all the graphics out. And you'd probably look at them and you'd say they're both really creative people. They've got a good eye for things. And maybe if you were comparing themselves, yourself to them, you'd go, well, they're obviously creative. Like, they're artistic, they can use a Mac, and let's face it, that's what you need to be a creative person in this church. (laughs) And um, so you might look at them and you might think, you know, I can't be creative, like I'm not a creative person because I can't do that. But what if God's called you to be creative in a different way? The cause, the same, but the delivery is slightly different. What if you're called to bring um, delivery, to bring messages and, and sermons to the goo kids in a creative way? What if you're called to actually reinvent the way that host works? What if you're called to be creative about how we reach people in Chesterfield, in Derby, in Sheffield and beyond? Creativity isn't just down to one thing. The cause the same, but the delivery will look slightly different for every one of us. As a church, we believe that we're all called to carry these values, but the way that we carry them should look slightly different. You know, it says that God has called all of us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, to love your neighbour as yourself. But that's not all going to look, that's not going to look the same for every one of us. He's called us to be unified yet unique. He's given us all a unique flavour. We're all under the same roof, but your, your room shouldn't look like anyone else's. So as you leave this place, I just want to ask you two questions. The first is this, where do you need to be unified? Maybe you've been trying to pursue your own agenda instead of seeking God's will. Maybe creating barriers against others instead of lifting them up. Where is it that you need to be unified? You know, maybe you've even been trying to create your own thing in church instead of aligning it to the vision and values of the house. Where is it that you need to be unified? And the second is this, where do you need to be unique? I love Debbie's message over Imagine Conference and she was talking about this idea of speaking out and how we can be scared of disappointment and scared of speaking out. Well, my challenge to you is maybe you need to start believing for something that's outrageous to others. Maybe you need to start speaking out something that makes you look different. The only way we can know what we're called to to be, how we're called to be unique is by seeking God. What are the burning passions in your heart that you've held back from? And just as the band come back up, I just want to finish with this thought that there's something really special about preparation. I've been to a couple of people's houses where they've prepared a meal for me, as I'm sure many of us have. We've been round to someone's house and they've prepared a meal for us. And when I come and it's, you know, a really nice meal... I feel like I'm special. I feel like they've been looking forward to me arriving, that they've been thinking about me. I feel loved, I feel wanted, I feel significant. And maybe you're in this place and you don't feel that way. I want to encourage you that the place has been prepared for you, that a place has been prepared for you. God thinks you're special enough that he's reserved your room. 
God thinks you're special enough that He's written your name on the door. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for your arrival. And your mistakes aren't going to erase that name off the door. He's waiting. He's expecting for you to arrive. There's a place for you in this church. I mean, Paul already said it tonight. There's a place for you in this church. There's somewhere that you can find purpose and fulfillment. Somewhere that can reflect a glimpse of the great love that God has for you. And I'm aware that there are people in this place that this is fresh news for. You know, maybe you've grown up and you've heard about God, you've heard about Jesus and you thought that it was all about rules, all about ticking the right boxes, doing the right things, making sure that you're under the rules and regulations of what God wants. And as I've been talking about God preparing somewhere for you, God loving you, God caring you enough, it seems a bit alien. It seems a bit strange. But I want to tell you that you're not here by accident tonight. You're here because God wants to tell you that there's a room here for you. And He's waiting for you to accept the offer. He gave His life, He died on the cross for you. So that you could feel no more shame, no more separation, but know His love for you. Maybe you're sat here tonight and you've heard a message like this a thousand times. But this is the first time that it started to make sense. This is the first time that it started to click, that you've started to realise just how much God loves you, just how much God cares for you, that He cares enough to prepare for you, He cares enough to wait for your arrival. Or maybe this is your first time in church. Well, this is a moment for you. This is a moment for every person in this place who's never made that decision to accept Jesus Christ into their life never made that decision to let go of all their sin, all their shame, all their guilt and let Jesus take it on the cross because that's what He came to do. He came to take it all so that we could live in freedom, so that we could live our best life. And I'd love it if every person in this place, you could just close your eyes and bow your heads. And right now, if that's you, God's speaking to you now in this moment and saying, you know, make this decision. I love you so much. This is for you then I'm just going to count to three and I'd love it if you could just raise your hand in the air. Just make that decision, make that, take that step of faith. Take a risk and believe that God has in fact got somewhere prepared for you, that He's actually that good. He loves you that much. So I'm just going to count to three. One, two, three. Amazing. You can all lift your heads and fix your eyes on the screen. And as you do, if you want to stand to your feet. And as we do in every single one of our services, we declare this prayer over our weeks. We declare this prayer over our lives. So I'd love it if you could join me as we pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and confess that I need you. Please come into my life and forgive me of all my sins. Jesus be my Lord and Saviour. Thank you for giving me a brand new start. Today, I open my life to you. Amen. I'm just going to hand back over to the band and we can just go into a song to finish.